Our reading today marks the end of the letter to Colossians, and the end of the letter to Colossians means it is the end of our sermon series, Walk with Jesus. Over the past 12 weeks, we have talked about how our walk with Jesus is all centered in Jesus, how he is in and above all things. We addressed an issue of of people who try to add more religion to Christianity. And once we have everything set straight, how we are to walk in love with one another, forgiving and bearing with one another in all things. Paul ends his letter to the Colossians with a long list of greetings. It's kind of like the section where it's the tell the Colossians I say hi bit of the letter. And among those listed, there are missionaries with Paul. There are the people who will be delivering the letter. But there's one name that I want to single out. It is the name of Epaphras, and he was the founder of the congregation to the Colossians. And the reason why it's important that we have all these names here, and especially Epaphras, is that the personal greetings in this letter means that this is a personal letter to the Colossians. It wasn't that Paul sat down to add to the Bible or sat down to write an article for the next edition of Lutheran Witness, but he was writing to the Colossians for a personal reason, because he knew them and he wanted to encourage them in their faith. And the reason why Epaphras is important is because we hear in his prayer the purpose for ministry, the effect that, that this letter was to have on the Colossians, the change it was supposed to bring about, that once they had read this letter, what they were supposed to do differently, what they were supposed to become in Christ. And in Epaphras' prayer, we hear that he is praying for the Colossians that they would become mature and fully assured in all the will of God, that they would be mature and fully assured of all the will of God. And that really is the purpose of all ministry, of all pastors, of all missionaries, of everyone from the beginning of first century to 21st century Florida Christians like us. And it's that you may become mature and fully assured. Well, what does it mean to be mature? Well, mature is completeness in Christ. It is being fully certain of your identity that you are and are certain that you are who God says you are. With maturity comes a sense of aptitude, of wisdom to love and bear with one another. And some of you might be thinking, well, what do you mean by mature? I thought that we were supposed to have faith like a child. I mean, even Jesus says that unless you have faith like a child, then you will certainly not enter the kingdom of God. And well, Jesus says it, so it must be true. But I'd like to pose something to you, and that's the difference between childlike and childish. Childlike faith is the joy that children have. And I know I don't have any children of myself, but I've seen it in other kids. The joy they have to be with the people who love them. 
the joy that they have to, to just rejoice in that love from their parents and to boldly trust them in all things. That childlike faith is the faith that rejoices in the love of God and trusts him regardless of anything. But childish faith, on the other hand, well, childishness is the part of children that make you want them to grow up. You know, <laughs> that's the part that makes you wait for, oh, I can't wait till you're older. Childish faith, you know, I think of like the two-year-old who's running around as if the whole world cent- centers on him, you know, just mine, 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 everything has to be about him. A childish faith is rude and bossy as if the whole world is centered on him. No, we are to become mature disciples with childlike faith. Well, maturity is the goal of all parents for their kids. They want them to grow up, to learn things, to be able to do things for themselves, to become independent so that one day their families can depend on them. It's like that, but it's not that the maturity of a Christian means you no longer need the church or no longer need God. But with the maturity of a Christian comes wisdom. We talked about wisdom last week. Pastor Arp defined it as wisdom is competency with the regards to the complexities of life. Wisdom is competency with regards to the complex realities of life. Knowing how to handle more situations, how to best love and bear with one another, how to best care for each other. Well, how does this maturity happen? Well, maturity, much like how you grow older, how you grow up and, and you hardly even notice it, in the same way, or in a similar way, the Holy Spirit is the one who is working in you, the one who works in you to grow you up. And how does the Holy Spirit work? Well, the Holy Spirit is working through God's word and through God's people. Isn't that right? That as you spend time reading your Bible, studying scriptures, hearing God's word, and taking it to heart, the Holy Spirit uses that to grow you into a mature Christian. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is working through God's people, among God's people. That when we are gathered here in worship, here in fellowship, whether here in the sanctuary, out in, the, in uh, the cafeteria for coffee, in small groups and in other ministries that you may be involved in, the Holy Spirit is working among God's people to grow you, to make you become more mature. And now this maturity is the destination of our walk with Jesus. It is a lifelong walk with Jesus. Even Paul says in Philippians 3 that it's not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on towards the goal. I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. That I press on towards the goal because Christ has made me his own. It is the destination of our lifelong walk with Jesus to become more and more mature as Christians, growing in wisdom and aptitude, growing in our understanding of God and his word. And 
what is it that stops us? What is it that hinders us from taking that next step? That having gone through this entire series of Colossians to take that next step in our walk with Jesus. And for some, not all, but for some, it's better to stand still. That I'm good just the way I am, thank you. I show up to church from eight to nine, and that is all I need. That you don't want to, continue to start that walk with Jesus. And for others, it's caused by the doubt, it's caused by fear, by doubt driven by fear. That what's going to happen when you take that next step? Where are you going to end up? Where are you going to go? Or maybe it's that you know that when you take that next step, you're going to have to leave some things behind. That you'll finally have to put to death what is earthly in you. Put to death those pet sins. That as you take that next step, that you might have to rethink how you spend your time, your, your talents, and your treasure. That this walk with Jesus is going to cost you. No, there's this doubt driven by fear of what will come next as you take that next step. But this is the walk with Jesus. And this walk with Jesus looks many different ways. Among our list of greetings in Colossians, there was the gospel writer Mark. And were you surprised to see his name there? Well, you probably weren't, but you should be. Because the last time we heard from Mark was in Acts chapter 15, when Paul did not trust Mark at all. He didn't trust Mark because the last time he went on a missionary journey, Mark had deserted him. And now that they were about to set off on another one, Barnabas said that we should take Mark along. Paul said we should not take Mark along. We can't trust him. And their disagreement was so sharp that they had to part ways. Has you, have you ever had someone that you've had such a disagreement with that you can no longer work with them, perhaps even in the church. But that was the last time we saw Mark. And now Paul is going to put his money where his mouth is, that if he tells the, or the Colossians to forgive as they have been forgiven, Paul says that if you see Mark, greet him. That somewhere along the way there had been some sort of reconciliation that though, that though the trust had been broken, it had been restored. And another name that was listed was Demas. And we don't know much about Demas, and there's little that we will know about him. But he was only mentioned one other time in a later letter by Paul. And again, he also had deserted the mission, uh, their missionary journey and returned home. But the question remains unanswered of if he will return. So the point of this is that all our walks look different. All of them might be winding and wandering, but they are all welcome back to continue to walk in step with Jesus. So we are to become fully, or we are to become mature disciples. The second piece is to be fully assured in all the will of God. Well, what is the will of God? Well, God's will is simply that God wants to save all people, right? That God's will is to save all of creation. So what is so hard to be so fully assured of that? 
What is so hard to be assured? Well, it's that the human heart has a propensity to doubt. That the human heart has a natural inclination to doubt that God's will is truly to save everyone. Well, really, we doubt that God's will is to save me. That God might want to save everyone, but he might not be able to do it for me. Our human hearts naturally doubt, and the devil is so crafty to tempt us into thinking that your childishness is too much for God to work with. That God might be able to work with anyone else to make them a mature disciple, but he certainly can't make anything out of you. That God's will is shown. To become fully assured in God's will is to be, to see God's love. God's love for you, if you need assurance, is displayed on the cross. It is seen in Jesus. That his love for you was poured out. That you can taste his love for you in the body and the wine. That Jesus is all and is enough. That was the real problem in Colossians. It's not that false teachers were spreading misinformation about the Christian life, but the false teachers were saying that you need a little bit more, that you need to add more religion to it, that if you want to be fully assured that you're in the right place, that you're on the right path, you need to add a few more things that you can do to make sure you're on the right path. But Paul says, no, it is all because of Jesus. It is all because of Jesus that we are on this path, that we are able to take these steps and leave all of the sin behind. Now, this ministry of making mature disciples fully assured in all the will of God, it's not just a ministry entrusted to the professionals, like pastors, DCEs, and teachers, but this is the ministry that has been given to all of us. It is the ministry that was given by Jesus in the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching. And it's a very simple command just to make disciples. How? By baptizing and teaching. And it's a very simple instruction, yet it leaves it very broad. That we baptize in the water and the word, and how are we to teach? Well, that part, he leaves it up to us that as we go about making mature disciples, making them fully assured in all the will of God, that it is up to us to decide how we are to do that. In the next few weeks, we will be starting a new sermon series. This sermon series is not, will be the new mission and vision statement of St. Luke's Lutheran Church. This new mission and vision statement is not changing Jesus' mission, nor is it adding to it. It's not adding to it at all. It's simply Jesus' mission for today in the 21st century, how we are going to make mature disciples, how we are going to make disciples by teaching them and baptizing them. The new mission statement for St. Luke's is awakening hearts, in every generation to the power of life in Christ. It's awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. It's none other than simply Jesus' mission for us today. 
And so in the next few weeks, we'll unpack more about what it means to awaken hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. And that will be uh, what we will be talking about for the next few weeks. And in our journey as disciples, in our walk with Christ, as we become mature, more fully assured by the Holy Spirit working in us, I should at least give you a glimpse about this destination, about when we arrive at that end goal on the day of resurrection. Paul, or not Paul, John in his book of Revelation gives us a glimpse that before the throne of God are all the faithful who have walked the walk. They are all gathered around, clothed in white. And why are they clothed in white? Well, the angel says, because they are those who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. It is all because of Jesus that you have been made new, that you, are continued to, that you continue to grow in your discipleship, that you continue in your walk with Jesus, that it is all Jesus all the way. It is Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, that carries us through. And in his name, amen.